by the title screen. Anybody have a guess what where we are in Scripture this morning? Romans chapter 12. All right, take your copy of God's Word. Begin to turn there. We're going to have our final message this morning. The marks of a true Christian, the marks of a true believer. And so as you're turning there, I want to remind you that you're reading a letter. Right, as Paul is writing to the church at Rome, you know, there wasn't chapter and verse. This is Paul sitting down and, and penning these words under the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 through 21. This is one section of that letter. It's, it's one continuous thought. It's one continuous theme, and that theme is the marks of a true Christian, the marks of a true believer. And so here we see kind of his final thoughts before he begins to shift to his next portion of his letter. And I want to remind you, as I was studying even this week for this particular message, for to finalize this series, that these verses are Paul's explicit counsel for loving a hostile world. This is his explicit counsel for loving a hostile world. How many of you feel like in 2022, in June 2022, are we living in a hostile world? Yes. God's word is true and it's also timely. It's more timely now than it's ever been. And so let's look, if you will, at these last verses. Verse 19 through 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As we've done in most many previous messages, but also within this series, is we're going to take each of these verses and begin to look at them chunk by chunk. And so here in verse 19, Paul starts and he says, Beloved, you know, this is, this is a reminder, as we saw earlier in the text, that they're bound together by a mutual love. As, as he started verse nine, verse 9, he said what? Let your love be what? Genuine. And that we're to have brotherly affection for one another. And so now as he begins to wrap up this this thought line, this this, this thought pattern that he's going through about, you know, are we we really following Christ? Is he emulated in our lives? He says, beloved. He's in essence, and we need to remember this. And I would say to you this morning, beloved, listen. Listen. By using that. He, he's he's dignifying them. He's it's a tender it's a tender way of writing to them. It's also direct. And then we see here his next phrase: "Never avenge yourselves, beloved." Not you know sometimes. What does he say? He says, "Never avenge yourselves." What does avenge means? It means to seek revenge. It means to punish someone. It means to retaliate. You know, what is our natural tendency? Our natural tendency is, if I come over there and I hit you in your shoulder, the first thing is, you're probably going to be shocked, but then the next, next thing is, you're most likely going to do, want to do what? You're, you're going to want to come back at me. Because why? We, our natural, our, our carnal nature is that when, when we are inflicted harm, 
We want to inflict harm in return. As I told you in a previous message, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. They do because why? They have been inflicted with pain. Something has come their way that they did not ask for. And so what are they doing? They're responding to that pain, and, and you're catching the brunt end of that. So never avenge yourselves. You know, listen, if we're honest with ourselves, our first instinct is not always the best. Nor, listen, is it God-honoring, nor is it a reflection of Jesus, is it? I want you to think back this morning in your life when there's been times where maybe you tried to uh, uh, retaliate, when you tried to avenge yourself, when you sought revenge. Did that end well? No. Most of the time it just adds more what? Fuel to the fire. And so our first instinct, and I taught you guys a while back about our factor, about pressing Paul's. We, we've got to press Paul's and lean into the spirit, not, not the flesh, but to lean into the spirit and to say, okay, what in this is, what, how can I respond in a godly manner? How can I respond that is a reflection of who Jesus is? And then he says, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written. For it is written, Paul is calling us to remember Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. You see, friends, we've got to know the word of God. As we go through our lives, as we experience trials and tribulations, as we make disciples who make disciples, what is a disciple? A disciple is first and foremost a student. So if we're going to be a student of God, we should be, of, of, of studying his word and seeking him. How, how can we introduce people to someone we don't know? We can't. We must know the word of God and we must go into situations and quote the word of God. Even in the tragedy of the sadness of Miss Jenny Taylor passing from this life into glory. What's fascinating is, and I meant to quote that this morning before I started, but the Lord led me to Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2. And what's interesting about that to me is the fact that John later texted me back and he said, that's my life verse. How do you make that up? You can't make that stuff up, right? But in essence, that scripture says that the Lord is our rock. He is our strength. He is our refuge. He is our stronghold, right? Like I texted him back and said, look, I'm praying for y'all, but here is some, here's an encouragement from God's word. Why? Because it's living and active. It comforts. It brings hope. Quote the word. Paul is saying, for it is written, what? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance, that punishment, that punishment is the Lord's to pay. Again, when look at it this way. When we are vengeful, we're taking matters into our own hands. In essence, we're saying, God, I'll handle this myself. You're not working fast enough. I'll take care of this for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That punishment is his. What is our natural instinct? Our natural instinct is we want to punish people. Why? Because we want to be in control. We want to be God. And are we God? No. We're not God. And 
as I was studying this, I ran across this truth from my Gospel Transformation Bible. Listen to what it says about these verses that we're studying this morning. Those united to Christ imitate their master, not in a dutiful, self-generated efforts, but in light of the great love with which he himself has loved us. A strong sense of God's presence, faithfulness, and ultimate justice means that vengeance can be left in his sure hands. Our natural tendency is we want to punish. We want to inflict harm. We want to inflict pain. And you know what? I I mean, some of y'all might say, amen. Hey, I'm like that sometimes too. You know, you mess with my children. You mess with my wife. Right, you, you're gonna see you're gonna see the horns come out. Right, you're gonna see you're gonna see me riled up. But wh- look at what Paul says as he transitions to the next sentence. To the contrary, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Again. Paul's quoting scripture. He's quoting Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 and 22. He's driving the people back to God's word. He's driving them back to God's word. He's quoting Proverbs. And as we think this morning, as we think about this retaliation, as we think about vengeance being the Lord's, not ours, of the Lord punishing people, not us, the Lord keeps driving me back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, just in whatever way, in, in the funerals recently, in my, in my quiet time, wherever, he keeps leading me back to this, and he reminded me as I was preparing for this message of Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, this is Jesus, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is that easy? No, it's not. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Listen, peace should be our goal with our enemies. What's interesting here is we think about these enemies, as we think about what Paul is saying. Sometimes in our lives, we, we may have to have submission to political authorities who view, whose views stand in stark contrast to ours. You might consider them an enemy, but what's interesting is I encourage you this week to maybe go and to read chapter 13. He anticipates, he anticipates what they're going to say, and he answers that starting in verse 13. But as we think this morning, hey, this is difficult. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Man, that ain't what I want to do. I want to do what? I want to do the exact opposite. I want to cast stones. I want to get as far away as I can from that person. And you might be saying, because it just is on rinse and repeat for me, but this ain't easy. You're right, it's not. Carrie Newhoff tweeted this week, and I said, Lord, this is right in time, right on time for this message. What? The high road isn't the easy road, but it's the best road. You simply never regret taking it. The high road isn't the easy road, but it's the best road. So I was studying too, the, I have a Bible, it's the Disciple Study Bible. And I thought this was timely because, you know, for you, you might be like me and saying, okay, Lord, 
What does it mean to love my enemy when he's hungry? Like to feed him when he's hungry, to, to you know, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. What does this look like? Why, why, why this? And as we're going to be making disciples, I'm thankful for that discipleship Bible. Listen to what it says. Disciples do not get to set up qualifications people must meet to deserve our ministry, our love, including our enemies. We are to find people in need and to show them Christ's love. Is it easy? No. That's why you have to lean into the Lord. That's why you have to lean into his spirit and his strength and his will and his way. Whenever you wind up in a situation, maybe you have to be like I have been sometimes and say, Lord, why have you placed this person in my path? Why, why is this situation in my path? Maybe you need to pray and ask like I've asked in the past, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do? Sometimes we're to do nothing. But other times we're to do the exact opposite of what we really feel like doing. And then Paul uses this interesting phrase. At the end of this verse, he says that you will heap burning coals on his head. <clears throat> Again, quoting Proverbs. And he's driving them home. He's reminding them of what it says in the Old Testament. He's reminding them of the punishment that that meant. Now, here's what's interesting. What does it mean to heap burning coals on someone's head? In essence, as you love them, as you show them the love of Christ through you, even though that's not what you want to do and what's natural, you let the Spirit flow through you. You do good so that others... Now, this is kind of weird, but as I study this, what it says, do good so that others will feel ashamed and repent. I heard a story even this week of some tragedy someone went through, and they began to share their story, and, and they became a new believer, and they talked about what happened, and they didn't even know about repentance. But one of the first things that next morning that they woke up after, after being saved was that they needed to go and to tell people, two people in particular, that I forgive you. They didn't even know what biblical forgiveness was. Again, what they were, they could have been viewed as enemies. I forgive you. It's on them. And we must remember that we're to do good, leaving the results to God. He will punish them on the last day if they refuse to repent. Right, That's how we should be praying, Lord, that they might repent, that they might see the errors of their way. Now, here, here's one other interesting. I know this is a longer chunk, but I want to share it because I just wrestled with what this really meant. And this is something else I read this week. This advice in this verse confirms that Paul is thinking in the broad terms of a Christian showing kindness to someone unfriendly to the gospel and perhaps to that Christian personally. Listen, he does not envision sending out invitations to violent criminals so that they can wreak havoc on one's household or family if they wish. These are the things and the situations in our lives that as we're dealing with them, we're not to go looking for trouble, but as trouble, as tribulations, as trials, as, as things hit and enter our lives, 
we have to realize that this is supposed to be our response. That we're to show them the love and kindness of God. And you might say, as we've already said, this isn't easy. And yep, you're right. I simply wrote in my notes this week that what comes easy won't last. And what lasts won't come easy. I mean, what do you want? I mean, do you want true abiding friendships? Friendships that are meaningful, not just surface level? Sometimes you're going to have to have difficult conversations. You're going to have to have difficult conversations with people around you. But if we would just lean into the Spirit, I mean, I've had to have difficult conversations with some of you. Conversations I didn't want to have. And I had to pray, Lord, give me the strength, give me the words. But I had to sit across the table and say, okay, what am I not seeing? Where's the opposition come from? What, 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 What makes you against what we're trying to do? And what's beautiful was it was a beautiful conversation. And I'm thankful for that. We're to offer our enemy something to drink or something to eat. We're to allow the love of Christ to flow and to shine through us. Listen. You're to surrender. You're to deny yourself. You can only do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. It does not come naturally. Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul told the church at Galatia, he said this, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Paul closes this thought and he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, there are times in our lives as the hostile world in which we live, there will be times that we must pray, but also there must be times where we put feet to our prayers. There must be time where we put action to our prayers, that we're to pray, and as God leads us, that we're to go and we're to make a stand and we're to love others as He has loved us, that we're not to be overcome by evil, but what? We're to overcome evil evil with good. This is supremely radical because it's supremely unnatural. Trust God and do good. As we think about this this morning really quickly about evil and good, don't being overcome by evil, uh, but overcome evil with good. I think one of the best examples that we find in scripture is the exchange between David and Saul after David had been so close to Saul in the cave that what he cut the corner of the king's robe but for conscience sake would not lift his hand against Saul, even though the king was seeking David's life. And and what do we see? We see uh, Saul's response in 1 Samuel 24, 16 through 19. Look at what it says. And so, as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I, For you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have decided this day how you have dealt with me. In that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. 
For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done me this day. He could have slaughtered him. He could have killed him. But in that moment, he did not. He was not overcome by evil, but he overcame evil with good. Keeping burning coals on their head. On his head. Listen, church. Love in the church and love in the world go together. They are the demands of our commitment. Our minds have been renewed and our lives have been transformed. And the Holy Spirit can do all of this through us if we are willing and able. And so I very quickly want to just say, okay, here we are. Gone through all these verses, 9 through 21. And here's what I want to tell you. Here's how I want to wrap this up. This passage is a self-assessment tool. A self-assessment tool. It's not for your neighbor. It's not for your spouse. It's not for the person across the room, but for you. It is a self-assessment. And as I sat down and I began to think about this, I encourage you to go back, be glad to share this list with you, be glad to text it to you, be glad to talk to you about it. But I think if you take the text 9 through 21, I want to ask you some questions that I've had to ask myself. And here's what we have to ask ourselves. Are these characteristics apparent in my life? As, this is why I, I didn't intend to stay in this passage this long. It's beautiful the way it bookends and, and where we were for the season that we were. And may I never forget Romans 12, 12, what? That we're to rejoice in hope, that we're to be patient in tribulation, and that we're to be constant in prayer. I had to live that. And I learned that. And I'm thankful that God was right on time for such a time as that, for that verse to strengthen me to encourage me, to drive me back to his word, and to drive me to my feet and to his presence. So I want to just quickly ask you, 9 through 21, are these characteristics present in your life? The marks of a true believer, the marks of a true Christian. Again, a self-assessment tool for yourself. First question we have to ask, am I genuinely loving others do i hate what is evil am i holding fast to what is good what is god honoring am i showing others honor am i outdoing them in showing honor am i lazy am i diligent in what i do am i passionate about spiritual things. Hmm. Am I serving the Lord with gladness? Am I rejoicing? Is there joy in my life? As a believer, y'all, there should be joy in our lives. I don't have a poker face. 
and that's, that's good for some of y'all and bad for others, but listen, people know whether or not you got joy, and you can't fake it. Am I rejoicing? Is there joy in my life? Do I realize the hope I have? Am I patient in tribulation? Not giving up in hard times? Am I constant in prayers, not just in emergencies? Right, it's so easy to pray. Let the storm come. Oh, God, please help us. Calm the storm. Calm your child. It's it's easy to pray in the storm. But unlike a fire extinguisher, it's not just to be broken in case of emergencies. Amen? Prayer is that, that continual conversation with our Heavenly Father. And saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for that conversation I just had. Thank you that I, I, I didn't get in a wreck just now. Thank you for, you know, just thank you for rest. <clears throat> thank you for my friends, whatever. Just as a c- continual conversation. We have to ask ourselves, am I contributing to the needs of those around me? Am I friendly? Welcoming. Mm. Do I bless those who persecute me? Hey, do I curse them? You might be cursing about them. Amen? I mean, people in your lives and they come and they, they bring all kinds of drama and heartache and everything. Listen, are you cursing them? Sometimes people make you want to cuss. Amen, tell the truth, stay in church. <laughs> Amen, okay, I, all right, I know y'all tracking with me awake now. Am I rejoicing with those who rejoice? Am I weeping with those who weep? Am I living with harmony with those around me? Am I arrogant, seeking to have it solely my way? Am I associating with the lowly, with ordinary, humble people? Do I seek revenge? Do I consider my testimony? Others are watching. Listen, y'all, more is caught than taught. Your grands, your great-grands, your sons, your daughters, your neighbors, Other people in this room, more is caught than taught. Am I seeking peace in my relationships? Do I remember that it's not for me to repay wrongs? And am I overcome with good with am I overcoming misspelling? Am I overcoming evil with good? Lord, help me to do what is good, what is right and honorable in your sight. Y'all, if I could tell you one thing, and you hear nothing else from this series, all those things I just asked you are lifted straight from the text. Self-assessment tool. I have work to do. Chris Moore has work 
to do. Do you? Because at the end of the day, we're not looking for a perfect score. We're to look to our perfect Savior. It wasn't for you to go through that list and say, oh yeah, I got that. Yep, 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 yep. No. Because the question at the end of the day is whether we can be honest with ourselves that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I am far from perfect. The last 15 months, you've seen my imperfections. It's not I, but Christ in me. Can we admit when we're wrong? Can we ask for forgiveness? Can we overcome evil with good? Can we put others before ourselves? Go back through that list. Because again, we're not looking for a perfect score. We're to look to our perfect Savior. Friends, last thing I wrote in my notes is that God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that will humble themselves and seek Him. His strength, His love, and His forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You this morning. Lord, I thank you for this series. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, as we study it, as we read it, as we ponder it, as we pray it, as we discuss it. Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that we're not to chase perfection, but we're to chase after you. And so, Father, I pray this morning Lord, that we would realize that you're not asking us to be perfect. You're asking us to come to you, to fall on our knees, to humble ourselves, and to seek you. To seek you first before all things. To seek your strength, your hope, your love, your will, so that they may flow in and through us. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's one here that maybe has been chasing perfection, Lord, may they have a conversation with me, Austin, one of these other brothers and sisters in Christ, and nail down today that their salvation is not based on what they do, but what Christ has done for them. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the rest of us that we could humble ourselves and admit that there is work to be done. Father, there is work to be done in Chris Moore's life. Father, make me more like you. Break me, mold me, and make me into the man you'd have me to be. Father, is there one here today that would be willing to pray a prayer bold like that? Lord, to break them, to make them, and to mold them into the man or the woman that you would have them become. Is that going to be easy? No. But Father, taking that high road with you is always the best thing. And so Father, I thank you. I thank you for these, your people. I thank you for these beloved saints who have loved and encouraged me. Lord, I thank you for their prayers. And I pray now, God, as we leave today, may we live out your word. May we allow you to shine truth into our hearts and lives. May we repent and confess of our sins. Lord, may we seek to be more like you and to make much of Jesus as we go through the highways and hedges this week. For it's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.